All right, here we are. It's the Roll Around the Barrel Vintage Baseball Podcast, talking to vintage baseball players from coast to coast and border to border, everyone. Tonight's show won't be any different as we're going all the way over to the West Coast. But before they come in to the the space, this is a safe space. Uh, I'm joined by my co-host, uh, Rudy Swamp Fox. Frias. Rudy, what's your safe word tonight? Ooh, I'm going to say tiramisu. Uh, you know, what's funny is at the Ohio Cup, and we can talk about the Ohio Cup, but you had to go give one of your one of your delicious speeches you give after the end of matches. And I I always try to give you a word you have to fit into these kind of speeches, and it was aluminum foil. And I realized... I let you down. Well, I realized, for one... The first time I ever told you to fit in a word, it was aluminum uh, siding. I was siding. I have this aluminum thing, uh, and you did tinfoil. So it's close, not close enough. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing fantastic. Recovering from the the, uh, extensive work we did at the Ohio Cup. Uh, yes, it was extensive. It was phenomenal. It was Saturday. Uh, hmm, there was a little extra. Uh, <laughs> I think we both felt it Sunday <laughs> as our as our engines did not fire on all cylinders at the beginning of the day at the same time. That was that was hard. Uh, but but Mr. Frias, you have, you have all the history of the Ohio cup. Your family has 30 years of experience at the Ohio cup. So why don't you pleasure all of us? What the hell did I just say? Why don't you, uh, why, uh, hmm. Why don't you tell us all for (laughs) entertainment? Rudy, please tantalize our eardrums. And tell us everything about the Ohio Cup this last weekend and, and basically everything you know about the Ohio Cup ever. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, the, the, the Muffin and, and Diamond organization celebrated the 30th anniversary of the Ohio Cup uh, this past Labor Day weekend. And so I have been um, a part of every Ohio cup because my family started playing vintage baseball 30 years ago this summer. Um, you know, it didn't used to be a festival. It was a tournament. It was a legitimate tournament. It actually used to be Memorial day weekend. And then they moved it. Um, I remember Ohio cup matches because the muffin organization was so vast. They had two clubs. They had enough for two clubs. And those clubs were the hurlers and the strikers. And those matches were epic and great. I enjoyed it when they started bringing in other teams like Canal Fulton, the Kentucky Pioneers, the Claude Busters, teams like that. And uh, I think it really hit its stride and found its stride when they just switched straight to a festival format. Bring in as many clubs that are interested and that you could accommodate. And... Um, just two days of great baseball. I mean, you kind of mentioned it. Saturday, there's nothing like a Saturday at the Ohio Cup. Like, just the atmosphere in general. Because it's not, yes, you have your 
your different events, but it always seems to be amped up by the actual matches, the games themselves. And Saturday at the Cup is the most relaxed, fun, like you're literally (laughs) – it's okay if you don't play every inning because it's just that type of environment. Did you get that feeling this this year or in past years? Well, actually, this year we were kind of off. We set up out on by the four fields, uh, which we haven't done in the past before. So I was kind of off by myself, so I wasn't actually around people very much on Saturday. Uh, so I did not feel the same thing that you felt, but uh, – but Sunday, you know, I just feel like it's a completely different day. It was to me, I don't know, and I wasn't even in the middle of everything on Saturday. So two different days to you for sure, right? Yeah, absolutely. I enjoyed, like I think you mentioned this Saturday evening because <laughs> we were, you were asking what my availability was for Sunday and if I was playing games. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not playing a single game on Sunday. How many, like Sunday is dedicated. But how many times did that? you get asked? You showed up in your uniform and you got asked zero, zero. times. I am shocked. Zero. That's, that's, well, that's the type of quality player I am. <laughs> Nobody really knows they want me on their team until I'm on their team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was, it was uh phenomenal as usual. Uh, I was glad I went back again. Uh, we did it better uh, than we have in the past. Uh, we, you know, the first uh, last year's Ohio Cup was really when we were just starting. I was starting to uh, get in the groove of this podcast, as far as I'm concerned, and uh, and you were with me uh, most of that weekend as well. And uh, you know, we a year goes by, we've kicked it up a notch. Uh, good things have happened. Now we're actually together. Mm. <laughs> and it feels right <laughs> and uh and you know we we tested some new things we're always testing new things and you know some of them don't work but no one will ever be able to accuse us of not trying to do new things so uh you guys had a match against the ninth infantry volunteers and uh we did a little we combined a couple of new things on that one. I don't even know if we were if we were going to at the time. It just turned out we had done a couple of different things and we were able to combine them, but we did uh we had you yeah. as as the co-host from the field for some mm-hmm. and uh and then we also you normally will video uh video the Columbus Capital matches. Mhm. You're so unappreciated by the Capitals. And you, uh, <laughs> and then I did play-by-play of the match and everything, and we did not have a plan ahead of time. But you were like afterwards, you're like, huh, why don't we put the play-by-play over top of the video and just release it? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> why would, yeah, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and so now we have a YouTube channel. And... Uh, it's the Roller on the Barrel podcast, I believe. If you go to YouTube, you can you can uh, subscribe. You should subscribe because even though that match mm-hmm. is the only thing we have on there, it won't be the only thing we're gonna put. We, I know you're thinking we got a winter full of no baseball happening, but we're 
we're a podcast. We always have something <laughs> happening. So uh, we have past episodes we can put up. Uh, you know, Rudy, we never even talked about this, but we don't even have – we can put all of our past episodes up on the YouTube channel. They don't have to have video. They can just have our logo. They don't. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we have videos. We both have video from the past, things we've done that we can throw up there and give it a home. Uh, you know, so – and then next year, obviously, we're tinkering around with video and play-by-play and all that. So that's probably going to happen next year at select locations. And uh, so you're going to have that. Uh, we also, over the weekend, opened up an Instagram. Uh, it has nothing on it right now. It has our logo. But we are, uh, Rudy, what are we doing with the Instagram coming up here? Oh, oh, uh, or as the kids call it, the gram. Um, we are going to, uh, post the final nominees for vintage baseball photo, uh, of the season of the summer. And those, those nominees that everyone will have the opportunity to vote on will be on, uh, Instagram. So you'll definitely want to keep, uh, click follow, uh, and, and, and request to follow, uh, the roller out the barrel on Instagram. And obviously this is a, you know, this is a tool to get everybody to understand that we have an Instagram page now. Hey, cause, uh, that's the only voting process for the, whoever, whatever pitcher wins pitcher of the year is going and liking the picture on Instagram. So, uh, and then of course we have so many pictures in our past, present and future. Instagram should be quite full and annoying as the kids say annoying i don't know is it what what is their word for annoying <laughs> annoy, um annoy i don't know yeah no, there you go that's good yeah <laughs> obviously we have a website it's www.strikewelljunts.com if you go to it right now you're going to see a bunch of stuff up still from the michigan vintage baseball festival uh we have lives it takes a little while okay so we're going to switch that over to just podcast and NAVB and, oh, you know, all the cool things happening in vintage baseball. We're not just being selective on our end. It's uh, we want to recognize all of the cool things happening in vintage baseball from all over the country. So uh, that's our mission statement. That's our goal. That's the whole point of how this podcast started. So uh, we'll be doing that. Update on the Roller Out the Barrel Classic uh, we kind of hit a roadblock in Upper Sandusky. We hit another roadblock in Sylvania. Uh, so we're currently a free agent and just no updates. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I got nothing. I'm yeah. trying to I'm trying to swoop in and 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 solve that problem for you. So if you want the roller out the barrel classic and you're running a club and you don't want the Capitals to swoop in and help uh you need to contact reach out send an email uh, uh carrier pigeon something it's not um, it's not hey. a festival okay so let me let me clear that up with everybody i'm not looking to move my festival somewhere else festival's done michigan vintage baseball festival's done uh anybody in michigan willing to put in that kind of work and effort to bring thir- over 30 clubs go right ahead I'll give you two thumbs up. Good luck with that. But uh, the classic is just the equivalent of 96 players. 
and then whatever else I can add to the day and 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 Rudy uh you know Rudy's got some ideas I got some ideas so but we can't really start you know we can't really start putting plans together until we know we have a location so we're kind of in a a holding pattern and that's okay and uh, while we hold and contemplate more, our guests are here. Do you want me to let them in? Ah, screw it. Let them in. <laughs> our guests are coming from the West Coast. They are coming from the San Francisco Pelicans 1886 Vintage Baseball. You can go to BAVBB.com to check out all of their existences over there as we're going to ask them all about it because we don't know a lot. Sounds like it's some sort of league. They play by 1886 rules, and we'll find out about the other teams. We'll find out about how in the heck they deal with getting their hands on these gloves and getting more when they disintegrate. <laughs> and uh hi guys so we have james hey, hey, hey. we have james hollywood stapleton in the room with us right now james nice to see you nice to see you thanks for having me and then uh i think we're also are we not joined by the other gentleman yet yeah i'm here oh i i just have to ch- improve my view yep swipe your screen there, there we you go, go. <laughs> swooped it uh, we're also joined by Scott Clover Rowe uh, of the Pelicans. Scott, how are you doing? I'm doing great today. Thanks. So I want to uh, first say thanks to you guys for coming on this podcast you've never heard of until this week and uh, <laughs> coming on to talk to us about 1886 uh, vintage baseball. Uh, I'm going to start the questioning first. Uh, we're always going to go alphabetical, so Mr. Rowe, you will answer uh, all of these questions first before James uh, jumps in. Uh, and uh, Scott, tell us about the B-A-V-B-B. Did I get that right? B-A-V-B-B. Baby. That's right. Bay Area Vintage <laughs> Baseball. That's it. Um, tell you about it. Uh, this is my first year in the league. Um and I actually was a um, uh, was kind of had been floating around in the back of my head. A friend of mine years ago had started to join up for the league, and then he had a kid, and uh, the complications with his new kid meant that uh, he didn't get a chance to play. And then, of course, the pandemic came around, and I had a lot of time being really bored, like most people, and. Uh, while I was doing that, I realized that, hey, there's this there's this thing that my friend did, and maybe I should go check it out. And uh, by the time I got around to doing all that, I saw that there was a uh, – last year we had an abbreviated season. I went to go check it out and saw a bunch of guys sitting around in funny uniforms and looked like they were having a really good time playing a, um, playing a, a different version of baseball. So that's kind of where we – where I got into it. And um, – you know, like I said, 1886 rules and equipment. Um, the league has been around for uh, Hollywood can probably get this right. I think 15 years, something in that ballpark. Um, and we've got a, a solid group of uh, two divisions, a, a West Division that all plays in San Francisco, 
uh, made up of five teams, and then another five teams in the Eastern Division, which are the rest, basically the, the, the East Bay, the East Bay area. Um, so there are teams in um, Berkeley, Oakland, San Jose, which is actually South Bay, um, uh, Dublin, and uh, Hayward. Uh, Mr. Stapleton, how long have you been uh, associated with it? This is uh, my eighth season, I believe. Um, I'm not sure if that's including the abbreviated one game uh, 2020 pandemic year. But uh, when I started, there was only eight teams in the league, and we expanded the the other two um, while I had been playing. So, yeah, it's been a good uh, – I'm hoping to get to a decade for sure. So let me ask you this, James. Uh, over here in the Midwest, in, in Rudy and I's territory, we're playing 64 and 67 pretty much exclusively. Uh, and, uh, you know, and they, they will play by the mid-80s rule zone on the East Coast, obviously, but we're not exposed to it very much here. Uh, is this the only version of vintage baseball you've been exposed to? Um, it's the only version that I've played. I have heard of another version I think it's called Town Ball. Um, they came and played yeah. one of our teams one year. Um, we had, I think it was a weekend where they came by. And every so often we connect with that group and consider possibly playing another game of Town Ball. But uh, just the 86 for me and Town Ball is all I've, I've experienced personally. Rudy? All right. That's, that's hey, 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 y'all. I'm Rudy Spunk. Uh, <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> I wish, um, we, I wish we were more professional so we could have done all that. I'm I'm barrel rolling. <laughs> oh, by no. The way. Uh, no, no, it's how, it's my fault. Yeah. <laughs> hey, for for the listeners out there, they don't know that this is a Zoom call, but we see everybody's name, and and so I like how you just jump right in. We're good. <laughs> I I I'm fascinated by. I'm fascinated to know like what what the typical season is like. Uh, with divisions, uh, I mean, is there is there a playoff and a champion declared? Do the you know are are the divisions so far apart that they don't really see each other? I'm just fascinated to learn more about uh, what a typical season's like. Well, I'll answer the first half. Um, we do have it's a very long season. It starts in March. Uh, we just ended at the end of uh, August, I guess September. And um, we play two times. We play the, the teams in our division twice. And then we play the teams outside of our division one time, either away or home. And we do travel for those away games for, against uh, div- divisions in the East, in the East Bay. Uh, at the end of the regular season, the, the top uh, record in the East plays the top record in the West. And that's a one-game championship. And that is the champion of the league. And that's, that's our league right there. After, um, which we're about to kick off, is what we call the, the Golden Gate Cup. And that is just a post-season tournament that is separate from the champion. This is its own thing. And we seed everyone based upon the results of the regular season. And we do a bracket-style tournament. And what, what I really like about this uh, aspect of the cup is with the regular season, you play every week. And for the cup finals, you play your semifinals on Saturday and your finals on Sunday. So you really have to have a, a different balanced club to win the cup as opposed to the season championship. Scott, you have anything to add to that? 
Um, well, like uh, like James just said, we had um, we just had our championship match um, yesterday, and between and uh, so the the Western Division, the uh, San Francisco Division, actually, despite coming in as uh, heavy underdogs, uh, they came and they won uh, ten to two um, in uh, in that game. So the uh, the San Francisco Co- uh, uh, Pacifics were the uh, were the champions of the um, uh, of the league this year. And uh, both teams had a really great season, so I wanted to give them a little bit of a shout out. Uh, they had a fantastic game. I was there at the game, and uh, it was just a, it was a great time. Um, and um, the other thing is, I just wanted to mention. I think that James didn't mention all the San Francisco teams play at the same two fields. Um, we have two fields that are side by side in Golden Gate Park, and so all of our even our home game or even our away games against other San Francisco teams are still at the same field, so they kind of have a home field feel to them. Let me ask you about these these uh, catcher mitts that you guys are using in the 86. Uh, how close are they to authentic, I guess isn't the right word, accurate? How close are they to being accurate, and how many do you go through in, say, a season? Scott, you want to go? Yeah, sure. So, um so the gloves that we're the um, the gloves that we're using are I, I like to refer to them when explaining to people is they're just they're glorified welder's gloves and they have you know they have no webbing um, they're heavy leather um, sometimes they have a little bit of padding uh, and that depends in, in the palm but there's um, you know apart from that they're just an oversized glove um, most gloves tend to last a couple a couple seasons at least um, and um, and so they tend to, uh, you know, they're they're actually relatively durable. But I'll also say that uh, as far as protecting your hand from a hard thrown ball, they don't offer a whole lot more protection than bare handing a ball. Uh, my first my first game, uh, my first match, I played uh, three innings over at first base, and the uh, the repeated throws, I my fingers were black and blue from my middle finger all the way over to my thumb and swollen and. Uh, you know, I think everybody has that story of their first vintage game of just how beat up their hands get, especially if you're used to a glove, you know, a modern glove with webbing in it. But, um, um, yeah, that's. Well, over here, I think we're not crying for you because we don't use gloves of any kind. So our first, our first basemen are like, what? He's got, he's got a glove over there. What is going on here? <laughs> when, when you, uh, contacted me and asked, uh, to uh, join you guys. I actually went through your podcast history and saw you did an 84 game, and I thought that was crazy, playing pretty much our rules with no glove. Yeah, that uh, the, the glove that they had for the catcher was... <laughs> It was like a piece of paper, man. It was like yeah. Okay, so, so yeah, you asked there. about the you asked about the catcher's glove particularly. Um, what we use, what I think, what most teams in our league use, I, I think a nineteen ten shoeless Joe glove, I believe, or maybe a nineteen oh eight. That glove comes with a uh, webbing on it, and we cut it off. So there, it, I mean, it's still a catcher's glove. So I, I think there's a little bit more padding than what you saw but it's not much padding and when you first get it it takes a while to figure out where to build a pocket even catch a ball because you have no you have no webbing and as scott mentioned our gloves on the field are really thin i mean i have i have one right here that you can't see 
unfortunately, uh, with, with Zoom, oh, but yeah. the fingertips sometimes come out of the top of the glove, and it's just your hand. And then another regular glove that we use looks like a gardening glove, uh, and it's, well, not, it's not very much padding. Well, yeah, oh, and there's another folks, one right there. Folks, yeah. yeah, folks, folks on the that are listening, these are essentially they look like gar- heavy duty gardening gloves. Like that's yeah. a, like but, that's uh, wild. Just and so you so guys know, wh- this, where are you getting this no. stuff? Where where are you getting like outfitted for equipment and uniforms? Uh, I think they use the regular. Uh, I don't remember the name. Uh, K- for some reason, KP Weaver comes to mind when you say that. We also yep. use the Vintage Baseball Factory for our for our baseballs, and we mm-hmm. use the the modern baseball that's actually kind of kind of appropriate. It looks like a regular baseball. Um, it actually um, kind of breaks down during the game, and I think you noticed during the '84 game that we we don't tend to change the baseball. Right. So it starts off as a new baseball, and we continue using that ball until the end of the game the only time we don't use that ball is if it's a foul ball and we have to go retrieve it we have a second ball that was used earlier so it's not a, a, a pearl it's more of a, a used game ball so it's um, it's like what we're do, for, dealing with here is it does get softer as the game goes on but yeah. it starts off rock hard right yeah absolutely i'm sorry go ahead oh, i didn't wow. mean to in uh I'm j- and then for the back uh, we primarily use bulldog bats. Um, I believe they're in Connecticut. And luckily, because we started this league on the West Coast, a few West Coast bat companies started making vintage bats. Birdman Bats in San Francisco, who also do bats for, for some professional major league baseball athletes, and then Trinity Bats in Los Angeles. Isn't Birdman the one who escaped from Alcatraz or something like that? I believe there's a little bit of a play on words on that, yeah. I'm smart. Rudy? <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I'm. Uh, that's really cool, the breakdown. And, I mean, just from someone who's tried to put together vintage baseball tournaments and events and multi-team events, I like the stress that comes with it. But hearing what you guys are, uh, you know, your, your championships, the Golden Gate Cup, it's really amazing. I wanted to ask this question to James. Um, throughout your years, how many teams from outside of the state have come to play, or do you ever get a chance to play teams from outside of the state? Uh, I have not heard of any teams coming out of the state to play in the Bay Area. Um, we have played with the what I like to think of just an extension of our league down in SoCal. They started their own league called the SoCal Vintage Baseball League, I believe. And they have eight teams, and they play by our rules. I believe someone that used to play in our league moved down south and built a league down there. And there have been a few games played between those clubs. And, in fact, I have heard of one of those clubs, I believe, going to Arizona to play in one of, in a cup tournament uh, under 1864 or 1867 rules. Wow. Scott, let me ask you this question. You've only been playing it for a year. When when we're here in the Midwest and we're trying to recruit new people into the game, the first thing that always comes up is, "Hey, I got to catch that with my bare hands." And you guys aren't catching it with your bare hands, but you might as well be. How much convincing did it take for you to start catching that ball and playing this game? 
I have to admit that I have a balloon attached to my hand. I keep raising it and volunteering my stuff. So, um, the great vintage game was a, was a pickup uh, ball game that was basically just a interest who might be might be a good fit with the team. Uh, first three things of vintage ball were over. So it didn't take a whole convincing for me. Um, but I know a lot of people, uh, uh, example, I played catch with my dad the other day, and uh, about three or four in, he looked at me and says, really do this with this glove? I mean, it was, uh, uh, you know, it, most, of the, most of the players that I've seen, most of the guys who kind of met during those three games, Kind of stuck, you know, stuck and kind of in on each other around the league. And I say that we, uh, all of us have pretty good to just, you know, get out there and, and camaraderie and the and the, the league, the, the people just uh, support each other. I think that it was um, all of the excitement to play in a, in a league like. I, I think that you know. At the moment, we all like to complain about the about uh, complain about the equipment, but just as kind of um, it was not too much of a challenge. So yeah, you know, oh yeah, it hurt, it hurt a bit. Yeah, you might break a finger. Everybody breaks fingers. So I think that happens with you guys too, right? Yeah, on a regular basis, pretty much. It's it's the first baseman, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, Rudy, who else besides the first baseman's taking that kind of abuse over here well the first basemen are always the craziest one so that's great yeah like that, that my brother's a first baseman and yeah he's got mitts the size of small children heads he's insane so yeah but that's who you have to put over there uh, <laughs> <laughs> what um I'm, I'm sorry i got caught up here uh um where do you guys play in the position? So I've heard, I've heard that, you know, uh, you played first base, Scott. And, and I mean, I, in 1867 here in the Midwest, I don't know, people might disagree with me. It's easier to play all of the positions. Right. And I feel like when we get into like the 84 match, not everybody can be a catcher. Not everybody can be a pitcher. So like, where, where are you gentlemen finding, where are you, where do you want to play in the field and where do you play? Uh, let me take that first, James. Um, yeah, I'll. Um, I like to. Uh, I, I I like playing first. I only I've only gotten a few a uh, few innings at first uh, during the season. I like playing first. Uh, I spend a lot of time in right field. Um, I think one of the things that uh, um, you know I, I like playing right field. That's been that's been a lot of fun as well. And uh, part of the reason that um, I think the Pelicans chose me this uh, this year was because I was willing to uh, to catch as well and play behind and uh, take that uh, take that abuse and uh, that's been a great learning experience because I don't have my baseball career pre this was never never involved putting on a, a mask at all so this is my first year doing that and uh, that's been a lot of fun that's been a lot of fun to learn that position in I guess it's somewhere between the modern context and the um, and a and the historic context and you know the way you guys play so. Uh, those are the positions that I really enjoy, and I love to 
eventually I'd like to maybe think about hurling. I have a fantasy of becoming a, a spitball ethos specialist. Oh no. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, why are you giving no, away all your I'm, secrets I'm, on a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Scribe's already told everybody, James. It's all right. <laughs> um, for myself, uh, I I grew up playing all over the field, so I really enjoy playing all over um, the diamond. Uh, regularly, though, I can hurl for the Pelicans. I, I play short. Um, I enjoy playing in the infield, the outfield. Actually, my first few years when I had better legs, I was I found myself in the outfield regularly. Um, now, as Scott mentioned, I behind a few times um, just to make sure that we have coverage behind the plate, and that it's been it's been really nice to be able. To, the only position I really haven't played is first base. I've only did it for one inning when I couldn't finish an inning hurling, so I had to jump on over to first, and that was that was probably the scariest I ever felt <laughs> on the field playing vintage. <laughs> uh, with a name like Hollywood, you probably had some great legs. I mean, I'm just I, I would like to hear. I, I would like to hear how the nickname came about. Every vintage baseball player either has earned a nickname or been given one, or has you know some some are lucky enough to get their pick their own. But yeah, how how did these nicknames come about? Well, as for me. Um... We have a uh, in the it's actually written in the bylaws that players should have a nickname by their third game in the season. So uh, so there was a, there's always a lot of discussion when somebody new comes aboard to see who's you know what their nickname is going to be. Um, what uh, apparently what happened with me was that they started to look at my social media presence and uh, I don't have one. <laughs> so but they found I, I do have enough of one that they were able to find out a little bit about me. And uh, apparently the story goes that, uh, uh, that they just finally started looking through my profile and saw, oh, okay, my wife does uh, sings traditional Irish music. And so from then, it was a choice of either Shamrock or Clover. And uh, either one would have made a great nickname, but Clover was the one that seemed to have stuck. So the guys on your uh, team are uh, creeping out on you. What, the, what is up with the stalking? <laughs> is this some sort of hazing process? <laughs> well, one of the things that we worked on, um, this is my um, my first year as captain of the team, and I asked the team members what was some things that they really wanted to do. And one of our veterans came up to me immediately and said, "I want everyone to have nicknames." As uh, Clover mentioned, there is a bylaw that says we should have it by the third game. And I went two seasons without a nickname, which was crazy. And that was one of the things that they wanted to focus on. We want everyone to have nicknames. So. We got into desperate measures and went onto social media to make sure we got names. Uh, but for me, I, um, like I said, I played two seasons. I had a, another nickname for a very short while that did not stick. Oh, um, I regularly was in the lineup uh, between someone who was salty and behind me, it was um, sticky. So they made me sweet to make it sound like food. Um, and that's just because of where I was in the lineup. And then later, um, when I uh, was <laughs> that's getting what they, married. That's they, what they called you in the lineup. But what were they calling you on yeah. the bench? Never mind. You don't have to say it. Anyway, go on with your story. <laughs> All right. And then, um, and then they, uh, 
married, um, my wife's maiden name is Hollywood. And I told everyone, I might even take that last name. That's a sweet last name. And when I decided that I wasn't going to take it, they said, well, that's your name here. Is there anybody in the league whose nickname is third game? <laughs> you know what? I mean, I'm pretty sure that's going to happen now, now that you brought that up. <laughs> third game. <laughs> this is somebody who had no nickname, was not interesting enough to have a nickname. Uh, all of fourth, your stalking attempts <laughs> meant nothing. He's just fourth. third game. Whatever. <laughs> Got to have one. Uh, okay, I'm going to give you guys both a chance to flex on yourselves a little bit. Uh, this is a legacy piece, so I want both of your best moments on a baseball field, the best play you were responsible for that you can't give credit to anybody else for. This was your shining moment. We'll start with Scott. Okay, this would be in my very first game during the uh, uh, during the fall ball game. And uh, I, was, I moved from first base out to right field. It was late innings. I think it was the first game. Uh, it was one of those three games anyway. And there was a ball hit sharply to right center. And uh, I took off after it and um, made a made a diving catch that, like, was fully on the run, fully laid out, came up with the ball. Uh, my first real fly ball catch with, you know, the weird equipment and everything else. And uh, came up with the ball. And, and I think that that kind of got everybody's attention for the uh, – uh, for the season, but yeah, that was that was the the one play where I and I, it was one of the better hitters in the league. I uh, stole a stole an extra base hit from uh, Sarge, and uh, he still razzes me about it today. James, on a scale of one to ten, how accurate was that story? That was very accurate. That was phenomenal. <laughs> uh, as as um as Clover mentioned, um, it was a fall ball game, and that was it was one of those games where a lot of the managers trying to decide who they wanted to pick on their team and he won his spot in my mind and I really wanted to call on the team after he made that catch he went horizontal it was it was spectacular wow a fish story where the fish was the right size James what was your uh what was your best moment Uh, fish fish play center field for us We still stayed in baseball somehow. I don't know how we did it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, for me. Yeah, James. I think the it, the the highlight of playing vintage for me was a very simple play. It was actually a ball caught. I was playing right field. It was the Golden Gate Cup uh, championship game, and I was terrible that game. I never got it hit. I was in right field and didn't see much action. But we only play seven innings, and this game was back and forth, and we were playing in the eighth inning. So we were in our first inning of extras, and we were playing the Pacifics, and they had runners at first and second. And there was this deep fly ball, and I was positioned perfectly. And it was right there, and I had so much time to think about it that I was like, I can't drop this. Because, you know, in vintage, it's the easiest plays that that, uh, that you Grew up, but I I feel like that was my I caught the ball no no issues ended the inning and I felt like that was the one thing that I can hold on to because we would have lost that game that's the only thing I did that game and it was the championship game so that is my moment. 
Uh, phenomenal. Uh, you know, I'm looking at the standings right now, so I'm seeing all of the clubs, and it would appear that you guys don't have to travel very far. Which one of these clubs do you guys have to travel to the farthest? Oh, they they don't probably. Right? Uh, for our the East, when we play against the East Bay teams, we do travel. Um, the longest trip uh, is probably either San Jose to the Dukes or out to Dublin. Um, and both of those are about from San Francisco is about an hour's drive away, uh, given traffic. So not super far. Um, isn't there vintage baseball in California that they're not playing 86, they're playing more like 64, uh, like we are, isn't Yeah. Yeah. You guys, do you, you, yeah, there was, go ahead. Uh, yeah, there's a, I think they're called central coast or gold coast. Um, baseball, I, I, they do. They play an earlier version. Um, my just before I started, so this has to be nine years ago. There used to be a California Cup, and the winner from both of the leagues, I guess the top two championship games players or teams, they had their own cup either in Sacramento or wherever they they have it, or in San Francisco. I think they only played two iterations of it. Um, it got really weird because it was hard to decide which rules to play. Right. I think which equipment. And where it sat was the 80s used their bats, but someone definitely had the heavier bat. And there was a, it was difficult to try to figure out how to officially call that a a California cup or a Cal cup. But um, I really feel like, that so the SoCal League and our league are moving are inching closer to some sort of thing because it's, it's been talked about for a few years and I think I would love to see that just have some sort of championship or California Cup between those two leagues. Yeah, I'm looking up the Central Valley Vintage Baseball um, community right now and they have not posted anything since April of 2021 and their website is no longer up. So yeah. if you listen to this and you're part of the Central Valley Vintage Baseball Club, uh, give us somebody a shout out and let us know that you're still out there and what's going on. I do believe if you go back in the archives, did, I interviewed in the first season, I think, Matt Stone mm-hmm. after he moved out to California. Isn't that where he moved, Rudy? Was, he, was, he was a part of the Central Valley. Yeah, he was, he was, uh, yeah, he, he, he was uh like the president of Central Valley for a little bit. And he was putting together a lot of great stuff. I know he had stepped away, I believe, starting last summer from his duties so he could focus more on other things. But yeah, Matt Stone's still a part of that. I'm I'm just over here fascinated in the fact that um, I don't know how much y'all know about Midwest vintage baseball, but I've got there, so many there questions. Is, <laughs> there are, there are, there, there are there <laughs> historically have no leagues uh like you have i live in ohio and we have like 32 teams in our state and sometimes you don't see teams Whoa. for five plus years mm-hmm. because you're just scheduling every it's kind of chaotic i'm just fascinated by the organization of all of this and i hope people listening are like that it's understanding that it is possible so <laughs> say what yeah, you mean I, what Rudy. i really enjoy what I really enjoy about the league is um, we have a few teams that are solid that we've, I'm sure it's the same roster, 
for the entire time that I've played and probably even longer. The coasters, those guys are the same guys every year and they're fun to play. Same thing with the Pacific, same guys every year. Um, and I think that's what you kind of want to strive for in our league, just to have those regulars because trying to find new players is actually quite difficult. But once you have your team, it, it makes it quite fun. And um, hats off to the team, to the teams in our league that just keep it going because it really makes our league easier to play and easier to organize. So what Rudy was trying to say, I'll just go ahead and say it for you, Rudy, is the East Coast has a league and the West Coast has a league and Tennessee has a league. And it seems like those are the best operating, most organized situations in vintage vintage baseball. And then Michigan and Ohio is a dumpster fire. Is that right, Rudy? Is that what you were trying to say? I wasn't. I wasn't gonna say dumpster fire. <laughs> I was gonna say unorganized. Pretty, <laughs> pretty I unorganized. Would say very appropriate, right? <laughs> well, what was that, Jake? I would say, isn't that a little bit uh, period appropriate? That's how. Oh, it was oh, oh, one hundred percent. We're all about accuracy. Yeah, we're accurate. so accurate. <laughs> yeah. Was it accurate to have sixty-five vintage baseball clubs and and two states, and they just. None of them like each other. Was that, what is that accurate? <laughs> it, it it's just it's a little different, honestly. And I think I I'm, you're you're hundred percent right. You're like it's more accurate that it's unorganized. And I think it's just fascinating to kind of see how vintage baseball started, kind of in the mid Atlantic, East Coast, Midwest area, and then now it's spreading. So like, I mean, I. I uh, I haven't played an 84 game in a very, very, very long time. Uh, there are always a bunch of people here, especially in Ohio, that are like, heck yeah, let's do it. Let's get, a, let's get one going. We can just never find anybody of interest. So um, let me ask you this question. How would anybody – so like say there was a club because we're seeing clubs travel further and further every year. Um, say there was a club that wanted to come out and – Play you guys in a couple of games and see if anybody would be interested. Uh, how would they get in touch with anybody? Well, well sorry, I was going to let Scott. If you want to go, Scott, or you want me to go? Uh, oh, sure, sure. Um, uh, well, I know that you know James has put together. I'm going to brag on my on my uh, manager here a little bit. He has put together a couple of uh, barnstorming plans. So that's. That's the thing you're getting in touch with any of the individual managers, but the uh, but the league does have a contact form on their website, the bavbb.com, um, and then um, there's been a lot of discussion. Also, there's a bunch of social media stuff. We have a, a pretty good Twitter account. Our um, Instagram is kind of hit or miss uh, as far as how frequently it's posted on. Um, but to see what's going on in the league, and then through there, through that, or through the website. You could talk to you know some of the folks in the uh, in the league, kind of in the. Uh, we do have a board of directors, so you could talk to some of the folks on the board. And if you want, you know, if somebody wanted to come out and say, "Hey, let's let's have a barnstorming weekend, and we'll play," you know, we'll have two teams come out and we'll play four games over a weekend or something like that. Uh, that'd be something you know that you could talk to. And we've had uh, a couple of um, actually, there's a there's a uh, a 
play, uh, there's a, a baseball field out in the middle of California, in Atwater, California, that has a field but no vintage team. And uh, so they've actually called us to get out, and we've played a, played a game there. We're thinking about ha- having a couple more games out there. Beautiful place to play baseball. Um, about a four-hour drive, or about a three-hour drive from here, two and a half, three-hour drive from here, which I know, you know, for you folks in the Midwest is like, oh, that's, that's nothing at all. But, you know, for those of us who only ever have to tra- travel an hour, that's miserable. <laughs> but uh, the ballpark in Atwater is truly worth the trip. Uh, I've been out there once, and uh, uh, that's really great. So there are a lot of opportunities. And I think that our board is definitely looking forward to uh, looking for opportunities to um, kind of expand the interconnectedness of various uh, vintage teams and leagues. So there yeah, is a just to reiterate. Oh, go ahead, James. Go ahead. Uh, I would say you do it. There is a uh, there's a club here in Michigan called the Canton Corn Shuckers, and uh, they want to come to California. So. Yeah. They're the team that we saw that just traveled to Old Beth Page in New York and played in that 1884 game against the Providence Grace. And uh, I was talking to the captain, uh, and he was very interested in this episode because he said he's looking forward to making some sort of connection with somebody out there because they want to go to California and play. They're a team that travels very well. They have no responsibilities yet, and they – will play any where, any time, any rules they just want to play. And we take them for granted a little bit here in Michigan, but uh, they really are the diamond of what we have to offer. I mean, it, it hurts me to admit it, but it's true. Well, well I mean, that yeah. sounds rad. Dude, I love it. That great, yeah. They're, they're like, yeah, they're like, they're babies. But, I mean, the average age of a Midwest vintage baseball player is like, I don't know, like upper 30s, 40s, like mid, like 45 to 38. That tracks for us. That tracks. Uh, these guys, I don't think they have anybody. I think they have two players in their 30s. So. Uh, no, yeah. We love, the Pels would love to host them. And uh, he'll listen to this. So Mike Feeney, there you go. Uh, we just set you up for a week, a week full of baseball in San Francisco. So 2023. Let's start with weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're going to come out there to play a week. So yeah, <laughs> they'll go. find other teams uh, and they'll play a week's worth of baseball. And then they'll hit every single tourist attraction there is. And then show up and play more baseball. It's amazing. I, w- I don't Absolutely. know if I ever could have done it. That sounds like a fun club. San Francisco has a lot of bars. They don't. They don't drink. Oh, good. <laughs> Most like, of them. Because they're under. They're under twenty-one. Is that why? Nope. <laughs> it, it, they're over they're twenty-one. Children. They don't want to uh, have a lack of performance on the field. I don't know if that's it. It just seems like there's well, something. I there's think something. It's not a written rule, but I think it's required for us to have at least a drink on our field. I mean, the whiskey that flows in the dugout is wild. They're not coming then. (laughs) (laughs) They're very particular about what goes into their body. It's uh, 
some of them. I shouldn't put them all together like that. Is this some of them? You're, you're painting with a broad brush here. I, I am. It's not that broad of a brush. It's Mike Feeney, okay? And he's the captain, and he's not going to have a drink. Uh, but he'll probably go lift some weights well, and, the- and go ride a roller coaster and then show up to play the game, damn it. One of the things I will say about the Bay Area is that I do enjoy almost all of our tourist attractions, apart from Alcatraz. But that's uh, kind what? of ironic because Alcatraz is Spanish word for pelican. Wait but, a minute. Uh, <laughs> Why don't you enjoy Alcatraz? It's a prison. Why yeah, would yeah, I yeah, enjoy walking around a prison? yeah. But you're not going to prison. It's a tourist attraction. <laughs> you said you don't like it. What is it about it you don't like? I honestly, I've I used to I used to sail uh, on the bay uh, professionally. Uh, I spent a couple. I uh, spent six months working on a on a on a ship uh, doing booze cruises all the time in San Francisco Bay. So I have been around that rock a couple hundred times, um, and I've, it's, I've been there and I've been through it once, twice now, and um, it's much more much more attractive from the outside. And uh, like I said, it's the only only barrier tourist attraction that I that I won't hype. Um, the rest of them are all pretty great. So are the buildings Personally. pretty much all collapsed and deteriorated? Is there just not very much to see now, or? There's a lot to see, actually. There's a, there's a, you know, there's, there's some of the cell, cell doors are still working, and uh, you can hear that. They, apparently, George Lucas used some of the sound effects from, uh, got some of the sound effects from Star Wars from the cell, uh, from the cell doors, opening and closing. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of. It's interesting. It, it's interesting. I think it's a, it's a one-time thing. So it's like it's not a thing that I would take somebody else to see. But everything else, I'll, I, I'll take, I'll have, you know, I'll run all over San Francisco with somebody else. And I say, you know, if you want to go to Alcatraz, you can spend an afternoon in Alcatraz, and then we'll come back and meet at, uh, you know, we'll, we'll meet at uh, Fisherman's Wharf, some uh, go to the Musée Mécanique, and have some cr- uh, freshly caught crab, and that's my that's my jam. James, what would you say your favorite tourist trap in San Francisco is that you actually like? Well, I mean, I I I was born and raised in San Francisco, and um, just moved down about 30 miles south, um, about not just six years ago, but I always go back to Oracle Park, where the Giants play. That is the most beautiful baseball stadium I've ever been to. So I mean, I go there as often as I can. Um, especially me being a baseball junkie, it's something that I would love to do, and I, I always would take that option over any other option. Any like if I'm on the on any day. It's just a beautiful ballpark. Are you old enough to have gone to see a game at Candlestick? Yeah, you can't see it on Zoom, but I'm sitting on a Candlestick seat. No, nice. We can see it on Zoom. Yeah, but um, (laughs) that was my my, um, little project that at the start of the pandemic when it was supposed to be a two-week little situation. I found the pieces. I had the, uh, the two parts of the seat, and I found the rest of the parts and uh, had it painted black to, to refurbish it. And that was my little project. But yeah, I, I was. I, I was able to go, I think my first game at Candlestick was in 95 or 96. Do you, uh, do you go out there on a kayak at Oracle Park and try to catch anything that's hit into the bay? Uh, I've done it. I've done it uh, twice. 
Um, I haven't gone during the game. I've what I've done before is I go during batting practice and just rent a kayak for two hours because I want to go to the game. So <laughs> I just rent the kayak and sit in the kayak for two hours and then bring it back to where it belongs, have a beer, and then sprint back to the park before first pitch. Uh, Scott, you uh, you attend any of those baseball games in those parks? Uh, I have, I uh, haven't actually put it together, but still somewhere in my, in my pile of stuff, I have tickets to the, I have my ticket to the last game at Candlestick and I have my ticket to the first game at, uh, what was then Pactel Park. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I was definitely a regular, uh, was a, a regular at Candlestick during the, uh, the really, really awful years of, uh, the Giants and have uh, a couple of, uh, the, uh, a couple of the, they would hand out little buttons for folks who uh, survived in, uh, extra inning games at Candlestick, uh, extra inning night games called the yeah. Toyota Candlestick. And it's the picture of the SF logo with frost on the top of it because this games are so damn cold. Um, but, um, uh, but we had, um, um, so yeah, so I was at a lot of, you know, a lot of time at Candlestick in high school. And uh, then when, Pac Bell Park opened, Oracle Park, now Oracle Park opened. I was working six blocks from there for a company that had season tickets. So they would sneak me tickets from time to time. And I got to see a, a bunch of great, great baseball then. And now, of course, I uh, have to buy my own tickets, but uh, having a great time there. Too. I love Oracle Park. It's my favorite ballpark as well. Well, let me pose this question to the both of you, and I'll start with Scott since we're on a roll. Uh, Barry Bonds, what's your personal opinion of Barry Bonds as a San Francisco Giants fan? <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> Barry Bonds, um, I, I, think he, I think he belongs in the discussions of the top five baseball players of all time. Um, you know, maybe not in your top five, but I think he belongs in the discussion. Um, he was the allegations. I mean, everybody's going to bring up two things, right? Uh, he was a player, uh, and also was playing. You know, he, if you, assuming he was playing ball, let's just assume for the record that he, he was playing juice ball. And I was actually having a match yesterday. Oh, he's breaking up, right? Yeah, yeah. Scott's breaking yeah. up a little bit. I think we're all hearing it. Uh, there seems to be some sort of, is maybe. I heard something about juiced balls. <laughs> um, let me, oh, <laughs> he was playing, if he was juiced, he was playing, uh, against juiced balls. Yeah. Uh, I think we're losing Scott. He, uh, he got all excited yeah. about juiced balls and then we've lost him. It's, uh, uh I don't, I don't know. <laughs> uh, when it when it comes to Barry Bonds, I think he's explained it perfectly, and I think you just move a lot. <laughs> is is it because you don't want to talk about it, but you just want to act like you do? <laughs> no, no, I I I, um, I kind of heard some of the words that Scott was um, saying there. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Whenever you bring up that name, uh, you think about what he was what what was he was doing to perform at the level that he was. And for me, I believe that before that moment, whenever that moment was in the 2098 period, he was on his way to be considered 
one of the best players of all time. What he added on to it really made it, maybe it exploded and really just allowed him to have those great numbers. But I don't, my personal opinion is I do believe he should be a Hall of Famer outside of um, what it was beyond 2000. And, this, and anything prior to that, he was already on his way. He already had his 500-500 club. Um, he was – not many players can do that. But um, I completely understand the controversy. And I'm not going to – I'm not going to um, try to say that it's not shady. But also, it's – everyone has, can have their opinion. And how it's going to end up is how it's going to end up. Giants fans love him. Some other fans love him. Other fans hate him. And that's how it's going to be. It's not really, I don't think there's ever going to be an ending point with this subject. When you say he exploded, you're talking about the size of his head, right? Is that what we're talking about here? And his arms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, I want to, yeah. I want to let you try to finish your thought. If you're, if you're uh, connected better now, give it a shot there, Scott. Yeah. Can you hear, guys hear me okay now? Mm, that's yeah. better. Yeah. Better. Okay. Um, you know, one thing I will say, I was talking with uh, another uh, one of the uh, guys in the league on the way back from the championship match yesterday, and he told me the story of while his father, while Bobby Bonds was on his deathbed, um, you know, Barry Bonds had absolute breakout games, multiple home run games um, while, you know, to um, during those, like his, because Bobby Bonds was lingering for like a week. Uh, and it, and he just had these absolutely unbelievable breakout games. Uh, and that kind of performance, when you're under that kind of a duress, it doesn't come from a needle, you know? Um, so I, like I said, I really respect the guy. I think he had a hard relationship with the press. Uh, I agree with you know what James is saying. is Everybody can have their opinion. San Francisco fans are more inclined to love him. I think he belongs in the uh, Hall of Fame discussion as well. Okay, so let me back up that question with this question. How do you guys feel about Alex Rodriguez? I don't think about him very much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would. Recording I, um, stopped. Oh, yeah. The recording has not stopped on my end, guys. You're still, you're still audio okay. being recorded. Uh, Rudy Got must it. have dropped for some reason, but you can keep going. Got it. Um, but I, I actually just saw because Albert Pujols just passed Alex Rodriguez, and that was actually a fascinating point for me because I was like, oh, I totally forgot that he had that many home runs, six hundred or yeah, six hundred. Recording in progress. Albert Pujols just passed him. So, uh, I mean, again, it's there's we had so many incredible players during our that we were able to watch, and I, I, I sometimes take that for granted, but. Um, I really don't have an opinion on that either. I mean, it's he did what he did, and I, it's the same thing. I have my opinion. That I don't really think about it. Is that a much. is a Rod a Hall of I, Famer? I don't care. Is a Rod a Hall of Famer? I don't. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Scott is a Rod a Hall of Famer. You know, so much ink has been spilled about A-Rod uh, that I think that the baseball writers are definitely going to have to vote him in the Hall of Fame because he paid a whole lot of their paycheck. Um, I I don't have a huge opinion. I don't, honestly, I, um, you know, I, I, I hate to bore you with James's answer, um, 
but uh, you know, I do. I he was fun to watch when I was watching him, but like so much of the stuff that I saw about him was his were his antics off the field. That there was like it seemed like there was more of a more drama about who he was dating, who he was sending notes to in the stands, who he was, you know, what he was doing in the dugout. There was much more attention about that than there was about uh, about what he was doing on the on the field. And yeah, his performance on the field. Yeah, there's a lot to say about it. I'm yeah. not sure I care all that much about performance enhancing drugs, yeah. honestly. Um, go ahead. I think I, I think we're I think we're talking about two people here who, in their first years of baseball, had already established that they were go they were on track to be Hall of Famers. And yeah. like, so. So I think we can one all point agree. That I really do think. Go ahead. What? Uh, I do think that what Scott mentioned is real where the relationship that Barry Bonds had with the media um, sticks and still has stuff. A-Rod definitely kind of made given himself a better perception, especially now being an announcer in major league baseball and becoming more of a person. So I think that gives him more um, of a chance to go into enshrinement. I don't think one can go in without the other. I just don't see how they could do it. So, but I think we can all agree that they're both grade A assholes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to disagree with that. <laughs> but yes, uh, phenomenal baseball players. I just wanted to see because, you know, we don't get a chance to talk to too many San Francisco people. Uh, I don't know. So when Barry Bonds comes back to the stadium, and I, from what I understand, it's not very often. He's getting a standing ovation is what I'm getting out of you guys. Yeah. And he's not yeah. getting boo birds. And when Alex Rodriguez returns to Yankee Stadium, he is not getting a standing ovation. <laughs> so oh. <laughs> absolutely yeah. not. Uh, hey, you guys. I, I think you have to think about what Barry Bonds. Oh, sorry. No, go. Please continue. What Barry Bonds meant for the Giants when they acquired him. Yeah. Um, you know, Barry Bonds meant a lot to the Giants when they got him because they were a struggling team. And they, this is a guy who showed up and really, like, ignited a spark for their team. And so I think that there's a lot of love from San Francisco for Barry Bonds because he was, you know, he made San Francisco fans start to believe that he could, you know, that they could have a winning team again. Um Whereas the Yankees have always had a winning team, they will always have a winning team, and they might as well just, you know, put them in the ALCS every season anyway. Um, and I, I'm being sarcastic about that, so you know, you folks in uh, <laughs> uh, all of your listeners in New England don't have to come after me about that. I don't. Mean oh, they they weren't going to come after you until you said that. Way to go! <laughs> <laughs> they don't like to be called out in the East, Scott. You've. You've done screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> there goes our barnstorming trip, James. Sorry about that. <laughs> hey, James. It's all right. Uh, James, you, you mentioned earlier uh, somebody did about the Golden Gate Cup. That's coming up this weekend, I believe. Tell me more about the Golden Gate Cup. Yeah, it started technically last weekend. We Since we have 10 teams, we have to have a play-in tournament to make sure that we can get to eight to play the cup. Um the Clarions and the Pacifics, who just played the championship game, of course, the top seeded teams. So they'll play the play-in winners. Um, and then we 
we have all of our games played on Sunday. It'll be four total games. And then <clears throat> the following weekend, we will be doing the Saturday-Sunday semifinals and final match. You guys all play each other, uh, and you don't really have an opportunity to play other teams, so you're kind of probably a pretty close-knit vintage baseball community. Do you have some sort of year-end uh, event that you all attend together, kind of a celebration? Go ahead, Scott. Scott, uh, take it, Scott. Uh, oh, why am I asking you? You're your first year. He doesn't know anything. Uh, no, we don't. <laughs> we, yeah. So, but we what we do do, and this is actually very what, what I really enjoy about the league is we pretty much have a celebration every. Sunday because between matches we have a noon match and a three o'clock match and on the first base side or the third base side there's always a get together there's always a place where you can go chill if you finish your one o'clock game you can go to either the first base or third base side and you hang out every weekend so it's it's not like we don't have an ample opportunity to hang out uh we just don't have an end of year party and when it comes to the championship match that is also kind of an end-of-year party because everyone that's not playing is in the stands. We used to have um, our all-star game at that same point, too. So directly after the, the uh, final match, we would have an all-star game. It's not scheduled this year because, as Scott mentioned, we've been going to Atwater. Uh, but, yeah, we have, we have celebrations every week, every Sunday. Every other Sunday. We don't play every Sunday. We play it pretty much every other Sunday. Scott, tell me about the uh, the team in the organization, the the Bay Area Vintage Baseball or organization that you're in uh, that you enjoy playing against the most. That's a hard question because um, there are different reasons why there are different teams that I like I like playing against. Um, I um, I think the team that I've that I've I enjoy from a competitive standpoint the most uh, is Barbary Coast, the Coasters, um, and that's because they always bring out the cranks. And so they're you know they've got they have their seventh inning song that they sing, and they've always got some sort of party going on in the in the stands and everything else. And that kind of it makes me want to beat them. Um, you know, and, <laughs> and uh, so that's kind of a that's that's a fun thing you know if, if we had a different set of cranks who was uh, doing that on our side i think other folks would want to beat us too uh so i think that's the example i'm going to give but every team i like playing for different reasons james same question um i agree with scott every team has a different feel the coasters have a really particular feel i've played with the coasters a little bit longer and they have uh how do i, I i'm gonna say there's a, a little bit of a party vibe too where everyone kind of like when i first started um, it's a Sunday after a Saturday and my first few years I would maybe party a little bit on Saturday night what? and then you come play on Sunday and everyone's maybe a little bit hungover and we all had that feel and everyone has that tip with the cap like how you doing um, but uh, as we've as we've grown we they're just good guys everyone in the league is good guys but I really enjoy getting to first base and being like hey what's up buddy and whoever it is like when you get to a base you're definitely having a conversation with a coaster, which is great. Wow. I, I mean, Barrel Roller, I don't know how you're feeling hearing all of this, but like just because, you know, I'm not saying things are stale in the Midwest, but 
what you're describing is something that we just don't experience. I mean, well, we get together, we have like get togethers and after every match, you know, we, we hang out and, you know, drink and eat food, but just like, it would be really cool. I'm just blown away by the organization and, and, and the vibe that you're creating. I think that's very, very special. And I hope there's some Midwest or mid Atlantic East coast teams listening. And they're like, Hey, you know what? Let's get nuts. Let's go across the country to play vintage baseball. I hope that's happening. It's happening in Canton, Ohio, or Canton, Michigan. I mean, it's happening right now. That conversation is happening right now. Uh, Hey, guys, I want to, before we get you out of here, I'm going to run you through a little thing I do called giving you the old pepper at the end of an episode. I just ask you a bunch of uh, random questions. You just give a quick answer answer to. I'm going to go back and forth between you, so I'll say your name just before I ask the question. Uh, but I do want to take this opportunity to thank you too. Uh, it it might be what is it eight nine o'clock over here on the on the east, but you know you guys are you started this in the middle of your day. You just got out of work just about to, to start this. So I uh, I appreciate you guys joining us, and uh, I know Rudy feels the same way. Rudy, absolutely. This is I mean it was, it was a pleasure to meet you guys. Same for us. I'm happy. I mean I was exposed to a lot of stuff that you mentioned with just the amount of teams you guys have out there. That's incredible. Yeah. Incredible is not the word for it, James, but uh, we got... <laughs> it is. It's pretty fucking rad. Well, like, no, in, uh, we got about 65 teams, but about enough people for 45. So that's basically what it really there you is. Go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. All right, here we go. We're going to start with James. We're going to bounce back and forth. James, what's your favorite pie? Pizza pie. Scott, what was the last movie you saw? Uh, I think I rewatched Lord of the Rings. Uh, James, bath or a shower? Shower, unfortunately, yeah. I don't have a bath. Scott, have you ever built a house of cards? When I was a kid, like 10 years old, I think was the last time I tried James, what's your favorite condiment? Uh, jalapeno slices. Nice. Scott, name something you are afraid of. Very high pop flies in the right field. (laughs) James, do you believe in aliens? Yeah. Uh, Scott, white or brown rice? White. James, what was your first car? Uh, Subaru Impreza. Scott, what was your first concert? Uh, Robert Plant. Ooh, good one. Uh, James, your favorite superhero? Spider-Man. Scott, on a scale of 1 to 10, how quick are you to get to road rage? <laughs> uh, most of the time, 3, occasionally 9. <laughs> that's, that's pretty broad. Uh, James, have you ever milked a cow? Yes, at the Colorado I think, State Fair. Scott, what's your favorite nursery rhyme?
Oh boy, the um, uh, Mary Mary Quite Contrary. How did your garden grow? Uh, James, have you ever owned a lava lamp? Yes, I've owned two. Sad. Scott, what's your favorite alcoholic drink? Pre-prohibition cocktail in general. <laughs> okay. And then I'm going to give you guys both an opportunity since you're Giants fans. So go ahead and give me your both. We'll start with James, your Mount Rushmore of San Francisco Giants favorite players. James? Okay. Um, Maze McCovey, Bond Buster. Scott? May, I, I got to go with Mays McCovey, um, but I, yeah, um, I'm going to say Mays McCovey, Buster, and um, and Hunter Pence. Uh, no, his favorite, not that. So those are those are fine lists. Uh, I can't complain about any of that. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm just sad. Can't you hear the sadness? I have, I have one I quick question. I can't make fun I of have, a single. I have one quick question. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> what, what, how did you get? How'd you get your name? Uh, your vintage name, Barrel Roller. Oh, that's very easy. Actually, I deliver beer. Hmm. That's it. And uh, uh, the captain, I was, I was on the Bay City Independence, and the captain gave me that name. He is. Uh, He's a quite quite a genius when it comes to these kind of things. So uh, I said, hey, uh, what's the deal with this vintage name thing? Am I going to just, like, pick one out of a hat or whatever? He's like, no, no, I'm going to get you one. And, uh, like, a, like, a couple of weeks went, because I joined in the wintertime, and a couple of weeks went by, and I'm like, hey, you got that name yet? He's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm still working on it. And so all winter comes and spring comes, and we show up to the first game, and I'm like, uh I didn't, you know, everything was new to me. I'm like, oh, we're doing a lineup. We're going to introduce ourselves. I don't, I don't have a name. And he's like, oh, barrel roller. I'm like, oh, geez, what a great name. I was like, took you six months to come up with it, but it's I a great at, name. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was at an Oktoberfest in, uh, this past weekend and I heard a barrel roller polka. And I was like, that's, that can't be a coincidence. But no, maybe, maybe it is. You didn't hear a, a, a barrel roller Polka, you heard a beer barrel polka. Uh, ah. Yeah, that's what you heard. But, <laughs> but there's a lot of, when you when you start typing in, like, roller out the barrel on, like, YouTube or Facebook or whatever, you get a lot of those polkas pop up, and you have to sift through them to get, get to our show. But, hey, it is what it is. <laughs> Nothing wrong with a good polka. Hey, you guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, I appreciate you. Uh, I hope uh, everybody in the Midwest gets a gets a thrill out of being able to listen to some West Coast uh, baseball. And and I know I speak for Rudy when I say uh, we're definitely going to hit up some more of you guys out there on the West Coast and uh, and keep in touch with what's going on out there. Rudy? Yeah, I would love to hear more. I mean, like, out, uh, how the how the Golden Gate Cup turned out. You know, you guys have a much longer season. I'd love to hear more about what that's like. Um, we uh, were incredibly thankful. So, so great to meet you guys. I wanted to take a second and talk to everybody out listening right now. There is a YouTube page. 
We are releasing videos of our uh, interviews and uh, eventually we'll be putting games uh, called games up. Uh, uh, wherever you're getting a podcast, click the subscribe button. You can leave a review, follow all that fun stuff that they do on the social medias. Right, Barrel Roller? Uh, yeah, the audio of this podcast, as usual, is going to get released uh, in about an hour. Uh, but this this episode is also going to pop up on that YouTube page eventually. So uh, even though these and these guys are, were worried about their hair and everything, you guys look great. So uh, <laughs> the, uh, uh, unless unless they have a, an issue with the world seeing them, uh, this will go up on the YouTube page and everything. So uh, guys, once again, thank you. Uh, any parting words for the vintage baseball community? Nah, huzzah. Play ball. Huzzah. Thank you so much, guys. It's been a real pleasure. Had a lot of fun. All right. Thanks, you guys. And uh, and Rudy, another episode uh, in the can temporarily until it comes right. out. So uh, good night to everybody. And uh, we'll see you. Oh, Rudy, do your thing there, would you? Oh, hey, yeah, for the barrel roll and the swamp fox, just saying keep it station to station. We'll see you out in the field. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Bye. Recording stopped. <laughs> <laughs>